Fellas, what up? Welcome to the one and only MFHT cast and the one and only episode that we're going to be recording here in the year 2020, which is thankfully almost in the rearview mirror. I am officially on vacation, having worked my final day of the year. I thought it'd be a great way to celebrate by dropping a little pod for you guys and uh, celebrating all of the great things that have happened in our main league, in our side league, in our showdown league, and uh, just, uh, yeah, rapping about some fantasy football for a little bit here. Give you guys a little little holiday gift. Uh, my, my gift to you. My random ramblings about our fantasy league. Um, so first of all, I just want to share with you that I am joined this evening um, in my Meat Church Barbecue Koozie by a little Mo Hazy from Migration Brewing. 6.1 ABV, 44 IBU. Delicious, refreshing. It's going to do the job for us. All right, let's get down to business. Oh, got a little foam here. That's good, that's good. Um, all right, first up, I want to talk about the main league, our Yahoo League. So glad we were able to pull it together this year. You know, obviously didn't play for money this year. Going into the year, we didn't know what was going to happen with the COVID. Didn't know if we were going to get a full season or not. You know, I think all things considered... The NFL handled it really, really well. Um, you know, making the games happen for the people. I mean, God, I don't know what I would have done this year without NFL football to watch. It was like a saving grace here at the end of the year. I think they did a nice job with production um, without having fans in the stands. And at the beginning of the year, I think there was some chatter around like, oh, man, we don't even need fans. Like the the production quality is so good. But as the year has gone on, I've really come to miss the fans going ape shit in the stands and just kind of the whole vibe of like an NFL game. And, you know, one of my takeaways from COVID and, you know, being kind of more shut down is when we're on the back end of this thing and we can get back to just like normal life. I want to go to all the games, man. I want to go to sports games. I want to go to football games. I want to go to fucking Timbers games. I want to go to Blazer games. I want to go to concerts. Like I'm making a list of like bands that I've never seen that I want to see like Foo Fighters right at the top of the list. Like I want to do all of that shit. So, you know, while I think the NFL has done a really good job of, of, you know, managing the production quality on Sundays and Mondays and Tuesdays and Thursdays, like I miss seeing the fans in the stands and, and I can't wait till we're able to get back to that. And you know, that's the other thing too, is like juggling the schedule has been weird and it's had an impact on fantasy and, you know, that's all, all that played into like, like why we didn't buy in this year. But given the fact that we played for free, uh, you know, I think people were mostly engaged. I know I had a couple weeks where I was a jackass and didn't get my lineup set and paid the price for it. Um, you know, just a kind of a different year, but we'll, we'll get ourselves back on track next year. Um, I want to spend a few minutes just, uh, well, before I get there, I, I, I do just want to say I'm glad all you guys played in the league this year. It's been a ton of fun. We've been doing it for a long time. We're going to keep it rolling. I mean, this fantasy league is, is honestly, you guys, it's one of my favorite things. Like, I, I love it. And, and it's just such a great way for all of us as we get older and have busy lives and responsibilities to just stay in touch and give ourselves a reason to kind of Talk shit, get together, go to Claudia's when we can do that. I mean, I, I love it. It's great stuff. So anyways, 
All right, I want to shift gears a little bit here and talk about our upcoming championship uh, matchup in the main league. I don't want to, you know, for those of us that aren't playing in the championship, whether you're playing in the third third place game like Bartley and Bettis or, or the ninth place game like myself, um, you know, we don't need to waste our breath on us. But I do want to talk a little bit about our championship matchup, which is Tice and Nuts. Um, I think this may be the first time Nuts has played for the Panther. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I, I think it is. And on Tice's side, you know, he is our, our two-time defending champion, um, having won the league a total of twice over the last 20 years, because obviously pre-Panther championships don't count. But, you know, going for his, his three-peat, essentially, which is pretty impressive, um, and Nuts looking to knock him off. I want to talk a little bit about each guy's roster and kind of what got them to this point. So I'm going to start off with Tice. First off, um, on draft night, you know, one of the one of the kind of cliches about fantasy football is you you can't win your league on draft night, but you can't lose it. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not sure about that. I mean, I think a good draft can really set you up for a successful season, and that was certainly the case with Tice. The first thing he did right out of the gate was he pulled the trigger on the big dog Derrick Henry. Um, at number three in the draft. And at the time, um, the conventional wisdom was McCaffrey one, Saquon two, which is what happened in our league, Colmer and Bartley drafting McCaffrey and Saquon, which they absolutely should have done. But then the consensus four, four, or sorry, three and four at the time would have been some order of Zeke and Kamara um, with the big dog, Derrick Henry coming in fifth, or in some cases, even sixth behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, um, which seems horrible in retrospect, but that's what we were talking about in August. And, and Tice, you know, went with his gut, pulled the trigger on his boy, Derrick Henry. You know, part of it is, um, one of the reasons that I love the pick is, you know, there's something to be said for, like, taking guys that you really want to root for. And I know Tice is a big fan of Derrick Henry, so, you know, love that pick and love just having the conviction to go there. Uh, he also took... DeAndre Hopkins at the back end of round two, which seems kind of insane now. But again, at the time with the trade to Arizona, even though it was considered a great real football move by the Cardinals, there was a lot of doubt in the fantasy world as to as to whether or not um, his role would suffer, you know, from what he had seen in terms of, of volume and target share and all that um, when he was in Houston. Uh, I think the big things for Tice. And, and these are, these are some great moves. Uh, one is he picked up James Robinson early in the season off of waivers and, and the Jags have been, you know, committed to James Robinson and feeding him the football, both in the run game and the passing game, and regardless of game script um, all season. Like he's really the only running back they've played, which is pretty rare in today's NFL. So even though they are literally the worst team in the league and conventional wisdom would say, you don't want a running back on a bad team. The fact that he's not sharing carries or really even sharing targets out of the backfield um, on that team makes his role extremely valuable. So great waiver wire pickup. But I think Tice's best move from a roster standpoint overall was he got Steph Diggs in the seventh round. Um, so Steph Diggs moved to Buffalo, you know, coming into the season. People are high on Josh Allen, but, you know, he's known as a guy who's been inaccurate and he runs a lot of touchdowns in and all that. Well, it turns out they just completely unlocked their passing game this year. Went completely nuts. Have used Steph Diggs like just like the classic wide receiver one. And he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. I mean, from a 
from a route running standpoint, from a production standpoint, I think he leads the league in receptions. Um, he's just been elite in every way. So, I mean, shit, if you can get an elite wide receiver in round seven, yeah, like no wonder you're in the championship. So prostatize for the great draft there. Um, Nuts has also managed to build himself a great roster. Um, he went about it in a different way. Um, most specifically, I think it was after week two or maybe week three, um, I traded him Dalvin Cook, which basically ended my season <laughs> right out of the gate um, and propelled Nuts to a, to a really solid season. Um, my rationale for the trade at the time was that um, the chatter around Dalvin Cook after a couple weeks in the league was he'd had a couple good fantasy scores, but he had two touchdowns in each game and really poor like efficiency and poor yardage. And a lot of the chatter was, look, he's not going to be able to sustain this touchdown rate. Their offensive line sucks. You know, this is not what you want to see out of your fantasy running back number one. So if you can sell high. And I also had this guy, Jonathan Taylor on the Colts, um, who also at the time, this was right after uh, Marlon Mack got hurt. And at that time, a lot of the analysis was Jonathan Taylor is going to be an RB, not only an RB number one, but like one of the top three or four running backs in the league because they're just going to feed him all year, which of course has not happened. So, you know, I felt confident in trading Dalvin on a, you know, what was at the time a, uh, what, uh, 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 a sell high situation with Jonathan Taylor waiting in the wings. And of course that could not have worked out any worse than it did. I mean, just a, one of the worst moves I've ever made. I was thinking about it and, and remember a time when I was involved in a Randy Moss for Deuce McAllister trade. And I honestly, God can't remember what side of the trade I was on. I was either on the really good side or the really bad side, but, um, I've definitely been involved in some questionable trades throughout the year uh, or throughout the years and uh, probably something that I need to to reconsider. Part of it is like I, I, I want to I want to encourage trades to happen in our league. I want to facilitate like, yes, let's be a league that like trades guys and is aggressive in that way. But when it just kind of consistently blows up in your face, it makes it hard to do. And uh, I can see why people wouldn't necessarily want to follow my lead there. Man, that's a good beer. Um, all right. Bit of a digression there. Back to Nuts' roster. Uh, Nuts also has uh, Nick Chubb as his running back, too. So you got Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb. I mean, Nick Chubb, uh, I mean, it's tough to say because Derrick Henry's been so damn good. But, like, if Nick Chubb got the same volume that Derrick Henry got or that Dalvin Cook gets, he might be the best running back in the league. I mean, the guy is just a beast. I know... Um, some of you have seen the pictures of him running track in high school. If you have not seen those, oh my God, Google that. He was a man among boys and, and still kind of is. Um, but a great running back too in an offense that wants to run the shit out of the football. Uh, Nuts also has Aaron Rodgers, who's having an MVP season. Um, he's got guys like Cooper Cup, Jarvis Landry, who, you know, aren't super exciting, but are, are mostly pretty consistent. And then the other thing that I really like about Nuts' roster is he has Darren Waller. And, you know, having a, a stud elite tight end, I mean, they're just so rare. It's like Kelsey, Waller, Kittle when he's healthy, but, he, you know, he's been out most of the year. You know, me, I mean, maybe Mark Andrews. Like, I, I mean, obviously nobody is in Kelsey's class, but then you've got this very small group of guys that are like 
in the next year. And then it's just a freaking cliff after that, right? Then you're talking about like the, the Bob Tunyons of the world and maybe a Dallas Goddard here and there. But most of us are like scraping the bottom of the barrel at tight end. You know, TJ Hawkinson's been, been pretty consistent. Hayden Hurst has been pretty consistent. But like these guys are not like exciting plays. So having a guy like Darren Waller that can give you 30 points at the tight end position um, is, is pretty good. Um, so let's talk about the matchup a little bit going into this championship game. So Nuts has a bit of a tough spot for Dalvin going against the Saints um, on Christmas Day. I don't think it really matters given Dalvin Cook's role, but the Saints have been the toughest matchup for running backs in fantasy all season. Their defense has played really well the last few weeks, uh, really the last couple months. Um, so not a great spot for Dalvin. And I do wonder a little bit if, you know, I think it's possible that the Vikings could still mathematically make the playoffs after losing to the Bears this last week, but it, it may be that they're completely out of it now. I don't, I don't know for sure, but um, if they are completely out of the playoff picture, it's possible that we might see them start to give more carries to Alexander Madison. Um, I'd be a little surprised to see that happen, but um, I, I think there's a small chance that they could back off Dalvin's workload, especially if it, it you know, especially if the Saints get up in this game. Now that, that's going to be really problematic for Nuts. If if the Saints open up like a two score lead in this game, like it's going to be really tough for Dalvin. I think um, Nuts also has Aaron Rodgers going against the Titans, which is just you know Yahtzee. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers is clearly playing for an MVP this year. They don't care about running the ball inside the five-yard line. They're more than happy to throw the ball to Devontae Adams from the five-yard line and in. And that's going to be great for Nuts this week. He's got Nick Chubb against the Jets. Um, I think the only thing that could slow down Chubb there is if they're ahead by, like, 20 points and they share carries with Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson. And, you know, there's a chance that Nick Chubb only gets, like, 12 to 14 carries in this game. But even at that, he's still probably going to get, you know, 80 yards and a touchdown or 100 yards. I mean, the guy rips off long touchdowns, um, not quite with the same frequency that, that Derrick Henry does, but um, it's probably second in the league at that. And then uh, Nuts also has Fat Uncle Len going against Detroit on Saturday. It sounds like Ronald Jones might miss again from what I just heard. And then he's got Darren Waller against the Dolphins. And me and Nuts have talked throughout the year about, like, it's either a Darren Waller week or it's not. Like, they either feed him, like, 12 targets or he gets, like, one or two um, and just isn't part of the game plan. And for me, the Raiders are, like, one of the more frustrating teams um, from a fantasy standpoint just because they use so many different guys and they're so, like, game plan specific. And I feel like John Gruden is sometimes, like, trying to be the smartest guy in the room a little bit instead of just feeding the ball to his best players. Um, so we'll see on Darren Waller. I mean, the, the Dolphins are a tough team to throw the ball outside the numbers on. They have two really good corners. Uh, so, you know, maybe this is a game where they want to work their passing game through Waller. Wouldn't surprise me at all. But I think that's kind of a pivotal matchup for Nuts. On Tyson's side, he's got the big dog and Ryan Tannehill um, going against Green Bay. And there have been weeks throughout the year that you could play Derrick Henry and Tannehill together in DFS. And this last week was actually one of them. Although Derrick Henry didn't have an awesome game, but still a very good game from a DFS standpoint. Um, and they both get there, and that's fine. Uh, I, I think it's probably tougher this week for Tannehill than Henry. Green Bay has been a team that's been willing to concede rushing yardage, but their secondary is really good. Um, you know, thankfully the Titans have 
uh, AJ Brown and, and Corey Davis, who as Bartley will happily point out to me, has been one of the best wide receivers in the NFL this year. So, you know, they, it, it's a tough matchup on the green Bay side too. Um, and that's definitely a game that could just kind of get loose on both sides, right? And it's just high scoring, and it just kind of carries uh, carries everybody to to a solid fantasy score. Um, I do wonder a little bit about Steph Diggs this week. He's got a questionable tag. I don't know if it's serious or not. Um, haven't really looked into it yet. They are playing the Patriots. So the Bills have the division wrapped up. I don't think they are anywhere close enough to be able to catch Kansas City for the number one seed. So they're, so the first round bye isn't really in play. The Patriots um, are, are out of the playoffs for sure. So I wonder if this is a spot where they scale back Diggs' snap count just a little bit. Um, it, you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm sure the Bills want to beat the Patriots and, and send a message about who's running the show now in the NFC East. So maybe it's nothing, you know, maybe it's not a, a big deal at all, but it wouldn't surprise me, uh, you know, if the, if the Bills backed off on Diggs just a little bit this week. Uh, he also has DeAndre Hopkins and Bob Woods in good spots against San Francisco and Seattle, respectively. Big thing for Tice is the the second and third running backs. He's got Chris Carson going against the Rams, which I don't like at all. The Rams are not a defense that, that I want to attack whatsoever uh, this year. And, you know, frustratingly, the Seahawks have been willing to mix in Carlos Hyde. I mean, it's just, it's one of those situations where, you know, Chris Carson could be a top five running back in the NFL if he was getting fed like one. And, and, and I don't know why this has become such a trend in the NFL over the last few years. And maybe it's just like, hey, let's keep our guys healthy. Let's reduce wear and tear. I mean, I assume they have better information and better data than we do. But it's just so frustrating to watch, like, Chris Carson losing carries to, you know, I don't think Carlos Hyde is a total scrub. But, like, he's definitely a step down from from Chris Carson. So, um, not a great spot there for Chris Carson. And then James Robinson, who we talked about before, is questionable. And so we'll have to check on his status as the week goes on. Um, if he's going to play against the Bears, you know, I like him for all the reasons I talked about before. They keep him on the field every single play. They play him regardless of game script. Um, you know, if he's in and healthy, he's going to touch the ball 20-plus times. Um, he has one of the most valuable roles in the NFL. And the Bears are no defense to be scared of. They, you know, early in the year, they played really well. But even then, they were better against the pass than the run. Um, but now they're not even, they're playing like trash now. So, you know, I, if James Robinson plays, um, I think, you know, that's a huge boost to Tice. If he doesn't play or if he's limited, um, it's going to be tough sledding for Tice. So overall, in our championship game in the main league, I think I favor Nuts' side here. But it's really close, and it wouldn't surprise me, you know, either way, um, no matter what happens. All right. Beer break. All right, let's shift gears and talk about the side league. Um, one of the things that is fun about the side league, um, if you get on to... Our, our side league page on DK on a laptop. I don't think you can do this on your phone, but if you get onto it on a laptop, there's actually a leaderboard. Uh, and there's a way that DK keeps score based on like number of games played and number of wins, number of plate, number of times you've placed, et cetera. And it actually will also tell you how much money you've booked over the course of the year, which is a lot of fun. Um, so when I look at our leaderboard, here is what I see. Um, 
we have played 53 contests in the side league this year. Most of those, of course, are showdown slates, but we also have our short slates that we've played and our main slates um, that we play every week. Tim and I are the only two people that have played in all 53 slates throughout the year. So shout out to Tim. I mean, I have to play in them because once I set them up, it charges me $5. So I'm in no matter what. Uh, In terms of results, one of the things that's been a lot of fun for me about the side league this year is we've had a lot more, I think, it's been a lot more competitive this year than it was last year when Nuts kind of ran the show on all of us. We were basically just paying into, you know, Nadia's college fund. This year, it's been it's been a lot more even, a lot more parity. Um, so, in our fifty three contests that we've played, I've booked ten wins. Tim has booked nine. He's on a little bit of a showdown heater here. Uh, Nuts has booked eight. Bettis has booked eight. Just fucking mashing buttons and doing research, bro. Tyser has booked seven wins. Service six. Um, Bartley, four, and Travis Barsodi has booked three wins in only 15 contests played. So a nice win rate there for Barsodi. He needs to sack up and play a little bit more, and so does Bartley. Bartley sits out the showdown slates because he's a coward. Um, We'll talk showdown in a minute here. Uh, We also have the number of contests that people have placed in, as I said, the amount of prize money won. So it's pretty cool. Like If if you want to um, check it out, the, the leaderboard jump on a laptop or a desktop and, and check it out. The prize money is a bit, um, you know, uh, what's, what's the word? I guess deceiving. I mean, because it doesn't, it doesn't deduct your entry fees, right? Like it just tells you how much you win. You know, you get those little messages where it's like, hey, congratulations, you won $8 today on DraftKings. And it's like, well, motherfucker, I spent 200 So, you know, technically I lost 192 but thank you for putting that eight back into my account, you know? So you got to take the prize money with a grain of salt there. But anyways, it's, it's, it's cool to check out. Um, one of the things that, that I love about playing DFS is it's like a different game every year. I mean, it's like it can change throughout the course of the year, but like when you look at it from one year to the next, it's like it's really clear that the strategies become different. So last year, when Nuts was kicking our ass, uh, and Nuts, um, you know, I think has a really good process for these games, and and I know he's looking at projections, he's doing the math, you know, he's a math teacher, um, and you know, thinking about this from a real, you know, kind of cold, hard number standpoint, not falling in love with plays, but just, you know, what do the numbers tell me? So last year, you know, the numbers uh, played out such that if you played, well, let's back up a second. So last year, you know, Lamar Jackson had a historic season rushing for a quarterback and that rushing floor in, in fantasy football is so valuable. And then we had Christian McCaffrey that has this just an amazing season where he's on the field every play, great rushing efficiency, scoring touchdowns, catching passes like a wide receiver. And then Michael Thomas on the Saints um, was also, you know, had an awesome season where he's being fed the ball in the passing game, but in a way that was really efficient, you know, short passes, easy catches, um, really high catch rate. And that's super valuable when you're playing PPR. Um, And so, when Nuts was looking at his projections, you know, what he figured out pretty early on in the year last year was the strategy was play two of the three of those guys. You couldn't play all three most weeks because the, the pricing didn't work out. But if you just started out from, I'm going to plug in Lamar, 
I'm going to plug in Christian McCaffrey, or if he's not on the slate, I'm going to plug in Michael Thomas and let the chips fall where they may everywhere else and just play like good point per dollar plays. That's going to work out really well most of the time. Um, and, you know, he was really the only one that was doing that. And so it's not surprising that he kicked our ass. Um, it reminds, reminded me a little bit of, I think it was 2016, where pretty early on in the year, the strategy was you played, I think this was David Johnson's second year in the league. You played David Johnson and you played Le'Veon Bell. You didn't worry about the price and you just figured out everything else and you were going to be okay. Um, this year, it's been a lot more... I think volatile and, and there hasn't been, you know, outside of, uh, of, I think Dalvin cook and Derek Henry, most weeks, there hasn't been that like just super easy. Like I'm just going to lock this play in, you know, I, I, I actually think we had that this last week with Brandon Ayuk at 6,300. Like that was a lock button play. Alvin Kamara has been a lock button play some weeks, um, you know, before breeze got hurt. Um, he was a lock button play for several weeks, but you know, for the most part, you've had to make a lot more decisions this year than you did last year. And that's led to, I think, a lot of the parity um, in our league. Uh, one of the things that I've tried to do this year is get back to kind of more of what Nuts was doing last year, to be totally honest, and looking at projections and trying to be smart about my lineup from a from a point per dollar standpoint. And Basically, what you want to do there is um, you want to be able to look at your lineup and, and across your lineup. Um, I mean, I think we, we all know that we want to be able to find good value plays, right? Like in order to make a good DFS lineup on a, on a weekly basis, you have to find some cheap, good plays, right? But what you're really looking for is guys that can get you, what, I mean, they call it 3x, but it's really 3x divided by 1,000. But really what you're looking for is a guy that can, that can multiply their, their salary three times and then divide that number by a thousand. So if you, if you do that over the core, over the, over your whole salary, you're, you, what you are, or, or, sorry, over your whole roster, what you want is a roster that you can look at and say, I think this roster is going to get me 150 points. Um, and obviously it doesn't play out that way every week, right? Like some guys spike, some guys don't do as well as you think they're going to, but but if you're doing the math, like you want to be, able, you want to feel pretty confident that your roster is going to get you to 150. Um, and, and so, you know, one of the things with that is like not all of these cheap plays are are equal, right? Like if you're going to play a sub 4K wide receiver, like you want to make sure that that guy has a legit chance to get to, I'd say at least 10 points, um, and Part of the way you do that is through projecting target volume. Uh, you know, how many, how many targets is this guy going to get? I've played Darnell Mooney from the Bears several times this year um, at 34, 35, 3,300. Uh, you know, he's whatever. He's a rookie playing on the Bears with um, Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles throwing in the ball. But he's cheap. And he's a starter and he's running around on almost every single pass play and he's going to get six targets a game, you know, and he's fast. So we'll get in the end zone every once in a while. I mean, that, that to me is the kind of guy that you want to play, you know, sub 4k. Um, and there are other guys out there that for some reason, DraftKings never seems to price up too much, but I, I do think it's something to keep in mind that not every cheap guy 
is is created equal by any stretch. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about from from just a a process standpoint is the value of correlating in your lineup. So that's that's the idea of playing a you know at the most basic level playing a quarterback and a wide receiver from the same team. And basically, you know what you're doing there is saying if 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 the receiver catches a touchdown pass, the quarterback threw it to him, they both get points. Yahtzee, right? Um, but you could take it further and, you know, do like little mini game stacks where you're kind of betting on certain games being high scoring, good game environments. Um, you know, you could do a quarterback, wide receiver from the same team, bring it back with a wide receiver from the other team. You could do multiple players from the same team, assuming an offense is just going to go nuts. Um, that was something I was doing a lot of last year and, and the year before in our side league. I mean, that's really more of a tournament strategy, but I still like it in the side league because, you know, one of the things that me and nuts have talked about, we've, we've talked a lot of DFS this year and we've actually been playing in some tournaments together, which I'll talk about in a little, uh, in a bit here. But, you know, if you're going to beat six or seven other dudes, you're going to have to put up a score, right? Like you, you can't, you can't score 125 points and, and beat six or seven other dudes. Like, you're going to have to find a ceiling, and correlating your plays is one of the best ways to find a ceiling. Um, I had a week, a couple couple few weeks ago, where I think I finished in third or something like that, and I had an okay, like, pretty good week, but, like, I didn't correlate my lineup at all. Like, I think what it was is I wanted... I couldn't decide if I wanted to play Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill, and this was not, like, the Tyreek Hill explosion week where he scored 60. Um, it was a different week. So what I did is I ended up playing Aaron Rodgers... And Tyreek Hill. So I have both, right? I had access to both Green Bay's offense and Kansas City's offense, which made sense to me at the time. But in retrospect, it's actually kind of dumb because if Aaron Rodgers is going to put up a big score, it is almost a necessity that Devontae Adams is going to put up a good score. Like Aaron Rodgers is not going to have a big game through Alan Lazard and MVS, right? Like it, if Aaron Rodgers has a big game, it is almost certainly going to include Devontae Adams. Um, so if I wanted to play Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, I should have just played Devontae at wide receiver and just not worried about Kansas City, right? And likewise, you know, I think to a lesser extent on Kansas City, like Mahomes can have a big game without it going through Tyreek, certainly, because they have so many weapons. But if Tyreek has a big game, then Mahomes probably also has a big game. I mean, shit, Mahomes has a big game every week. So, you know, like I should have just picked one side or the other. And instead, I, instead I kind of split the difference and didn't quite get where I needed to get to. So, you know, it's just something to think about, the, the value of correlation. You don't need to overdo it, certainly, in, in, in the kind of league we're playing in. But um, it's something to think about. Um. The other thing that I want to note, and, and, and I want to talk a little bit about tournament strategy here. So, you know, one of the things that's fun here, as I, as I talked about, you know, we've got a lot of parity in terms of the number of wins uh, over the course of the season. And um, I think one guy that really does his own thing in our league is service. And so there are some weeks where service is so off the board and his lineup looks so different from everybody else's. Um, but then all the things that we think are going to happen don't happen. And he just fucking buries us, you know? And that's really like the tournament strategy. Like I think service, like if you're listening to this, like I think you should be playing DFS tournaments because as, as nuts and I have been talking about, 
the the thought process that you need to win a DFS tournament is not sorry um is not here's what I think is going to happen from a football standpoint here's what I predict will happen in the NFL this week because predicting what's going to happen in the NFL is a fucking losing proposition the way that you win tournaments is building a lineup that if things go sideways if all the things that everybody thinks are going to happen don't happen, or at least some of the things that everybody thinks is going to happen don't happen, then you put yourself in a position to benefit. And you put yourself in a position to profit from that, uh, from that chaos. You know, and I think service is a guy that just embraces the chaos, you know, and it's pretty awesome. So um, me and Nuts have been playing in tournaments together where we, we joint enter, we split the cost of the entry fee, and we build lineups together on Saturday nights. And that, it's been a ton of fun. Um, great way to stay connected to one of my oldest, closest friends. And, and we have a ton of fun doing it. Um, and it's super interesting to hear his process and, and the way that he thinks about it. Because it's different from the way that I think about it. But, you know, we, we make a pretty good team. And we've been playing in this tournament that is um, a morning-only tournament. So it doesn't include the afternoon games. It's a small field. Um, it, it typically has about 150 lineups in it, so it's not a huge tournament. And um, it's, frankly, a little bit more money than, than either of us are used to buying in on. Um, but we've won it twice um, in, like, the 10 weeks that we've been playing it, which has been pretty awesome. Um, we didn't start out the season playing it. It took us about a month into the season before we started doing it. Um, and we, we've taken this thing down twice this year, um, which has been a ton of fun. But one of the week, the, the most recent time was just like two weeks ago, not this last week, but the week before our lineup had, I can't even remember what our main stack was. I know we played Derrick Henry, um, but our, I can't remember what our main QB wide receiver combination was, but we played dusty ass AJ Green at 3K. Uh, he was 1% owned and we played Darnell Mooney again. He was like 3,300 and he was 3% owned. Mooney scored a touchdown, had a decent game. AJ Green had his best game of the season, 18, 18 DK points. And it just vaulted us right to the top of the standings um, because we had these guys that nobody else played. I mean, we fucking dusted the field. We won, we won the tournament by 20 points. Um, and it's, it's just a good reminder that like, when you're doing these tournaments and the, and the bigger the field, kind of the more different you have to get. But even in a small field, the idea is take, take advantage of the chaos. You know, um, a guy just won the DK live final. So yeah, this is a tournament that you have to qualify for um, over the course of the season. It's like a 200 person field. Top prize is, and, and in a normal year, they like fly you out to a location. Everybody's watching the games together. It's like, this is like one of my life dreams to participate in one of these. Um, but a guy won it $2.5 million. And he played Chase Edmonds at 1% in his lineup, who nobody even thought was going to play in the game. And then I think the guy's name is Durham Smythe. He's a backup tight end for... The Dolphins. And so if you remember this week, the Dolphins, all their pass catchers were out. Like uh, Preston Williams is already out for the season. Jakeem Grant's out. Um, Devontae Parker's banged up. Mike Gesicki's banged up. So everybody on Sunday morning was like, all right, Lynn Bowden is the play. Plug in Lynn Bowden at 3,600 and he'll get 
eight targets or whatever, and it'll be great. Well, this guy was like, all right, if everybody's going to play Lynn Bowden, I'm going to go play this backup tight end. I'll be the only guy in the field that plays him. And if he does anything at all, sweet, I'm stoked, right? So the guy had like a decent game, like a nine or 10 point game, whatever. But, you know, those are the, that's the kind of thought process um, that you need to have for these tournaments. And it's something that I'm really working on because where my brain goes and what I want to think about is like, what, what is the, what is the, the quote unquote right football plays? Like what's going to happen? What, what is the most likely outcome in these games? And that's just not the right thought process for, for DK tournaments. Um, but that's why I think service would be so good at it because he just, you know, throws in all this random shit into his side leagues and like sometimes it just really works and he just buries us all. So service, uh, I think you need to start, you know, firing, firing into the Millie maker here, buddy. Uh, all right. Hold on a second. Sorry, I don't have a, I don't have like a cough button or a swallow button or a, or a beer button or whatever they call it. I'm a little out of practice here, guys. Um, all right. I want to talk about the showdowns, a.k.a. the skewdowns, a.k.a. The, the bane of Bartley's existence. I mean, as I said earlier, you know, we got Tim on a little bit of a heater here on the showdown slates. Um, last night was super fun for me with uh, Tyler Boyd and Eric Ebron in my lineup. And both of them got hurt and got me zero points and nobody else on my team did anything good because that was the weirdest game of the year. Um, but I, I think showdowns are a lot of fun. And, um, well, they're either a lot of fun or they completely suck. There's not a lot of middle ground, right? Like, you can be watching a game and you have a showdown lineup and you you pretty much know, like, definitely by the end of the first quarter, but sometimes, like, midway through the first quarter, if you're just, like, drawing dead. You know what I mean? Like, you've got this lineup and you're like, oh, shit, I got, I got all of this wrong and I just, you know, lit my money on fire. Um... But I but showdowns to me are a ton of fun. Like if you're going into the fourth quarter and you're competing and you have a shot, like every single play matters and 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 you're just kind of hanging in the balance there. And I, I think it's a lot of fun. When when showdowns first came out and last even through last year, I think I think the general consensus on how to build lineups was um, build a highly correlated lineup that predicted a specific outcome of the game. So like if I think that the Steelers are going to win and it's going to go through the passing game, I'll put Ben Roethlisberger at captain and I'll play, excuse me, I'll play Juju and I'll play Ebron or I'll play Claypool or whatever, you know, like I'll play a couple pass catchers and then I'll bring it back on the other side with Tyler Boyd or T Higgins or whatever and fill in from there. Right? Like I'm, I'm basically predicting how the game is going to go. And it's really hard to predict the game flow over multiple games, but you can sometimes get it right over one game. Um, so I think that that concept is still relevant for showdowns, but I also think it's not actually that straightforward. And I think, you know, really what, what you're trying to do is maximize kind of like in, in, in the same way that we would like a, a, a regular roster, you're really trying to maximize like floor ceiling combinations. So like one of the things that I've been trying to get away from, but not doing a great job with in showdowns is like, there's like five guys that or like four guys that I really want to play one guy that I'm okay with. And then this guy is like 600 bucks. And if he does anything at all, like, it'll be great for my roster. But that $600 player is almost always going to be worthless. Um, 
So you basically burned a roster spot. And so I think the better approach is to kind of make sure that you have a solid floor in every spot throughout your lineup um, and make sure you're just kind of maximizing raw points and, and worry a little bit less about correlation, worry a little bit less about game flow. And then the other thing is with the captain spot, um, you know, there are times, and, and, and I think we got a little bit used to this last year, again, going back to Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's sort of like the quintessential um, showdown captain last year, right? Because if Baltimore's offense went off, it was almost always because Lamar Jackson was having just this massive game, right? Like running touchdowns and throwing touchdowns and whatever. And so if you didn't play Lamar Jackson at captain in one of those games, you were just dead. Um, but I think this year it's been a little bit different. Most slates, not every slate, where you don't necessarily need the single highest scoring guy at captain. Like there was the, the Browns game recently where um, Kareem Hunt was the optimal captain. But shoot, who was it? Somebody outscored him. Oh, it was Lamar. Duh. <laughs> Lamar Jackson outscored Kareem Hunt. So if you played Lamar at captain, you actually got more raw points at captain. But um, because Lamar was so much more expensive than Kareem Hunt, you couldn't actually build an optimal lineup, right? And so I think having that kind of more balanced lineup most of the time um, and getting a guy that's like, you know, sometimes there's a guy like... Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, Kareem Hunt, this uh, this particular slate was like around 7,000 as a flex. So he would have been 10-5 um, at captain, whereas a guy like Lamar would have been, you know, 11,000 flex and upwards of 2K at captain. So like saving that, saving that money, saving that salary um, makes a big difference there. So you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think showdowns are, it's a little bit of the Wild West, right? Like, I get why Bartley doesn't like them. Um, they can be kind of infuriating. But I also think they're, they're a lot of fun um, and just kind of a little bit chaotic. And I don't, I don't necessarily think there's one, like, right way or wrong way to approach them. But I do think one thing I'm trying to do, at least, is, is stay away from those, like, super cheap, enticing guys that like if everything goes just right they could have a good game but are almost certainly going to get you um zero points all right i've been going on for a bit here i want to look forward a little bit to 2021 which i know we are all looking forward to um we a, a, a few of us have started having some conversations about doing some things a little bit differently next year and i just want to throw this out there for everybody's consideration um we're talking about doing something called that we're I guess for now, at least calling the Panther Cup, um, which is which would function sort of like the FedEx Cup in golf, where it's like different events and tournaments where we're accumulating points, essentially. So basically what we're talking about doing is um, maybe having a little bit of a higher general buy-in and running our main league, running our main slate side league, not the showdowns, and then maybe mixing in um, some sports betting, like prop bets or over-unders or... Um, spreads or whatever and combining all of those things at the end of the year for like some type of grand champion. I don't know. I mean, it's still, still very much in the works um, and, and TBD, but um, 
I sort of like the idea of having uh, different different types of events, different different ways of approaching this, and, and, and different things that we're doing, and kind of combining them all together. And um, I don't know, just thinking about things a little bit differently. But so more to come on that. If you have thoughts or ideas, definitely send them my way. I would love to hear them. All right, I have gone on more than long enough. Um, this poor, poor Mohazy IPA has just sat here mostly unsapped. And, and, and it's getting warm, even though it's in the meat church. Excuse me, I need to get to this. Um, priorities here, boys. I'm on vacation. So a few things just by way of wrap-up. First and foremost, uh, good luck to Tice. Good luck to Nuts in the main league championship. This weekend, it's going to be fun. Reminder, we have the side league Christmas gasm coming up. We will be playing all of the slates we've got. Vikings and Saints in the skew down on Christmas Day. We've got the three-game slate on Saturday, on Boxing Day. We've got the main slate on Sunday. And then, of course, we've got Monday night on whatever day that is. But anyways, it's four days of fantasy football in a row, and I could not be more excited for it. Um, We will also keep it rolling through January, through the playoffs. We have an expanded slate of, of playoff teams in the NFL this year, which I don't know that I love. For real football, but for fantasy, it's fun because we get more games to play. So let's fucking go there. Finally, uh, just want to wish you guys uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I know 2020 has been a long year for all of us. Um, as I said at, at the outset, playing in the main league and the side league and staying connected to all you guys has been super fun for me. It's been, you know, one of the things that frankly has gotten me through this really hard, really challenging year. Um, I wish all of you guys and your families the best. I am so excited to see you all in 2021. Can't wait to hang out, grill some meat, go to Claudia's, go to the A&L, do all those fun things. So hope you guys are well. Hope you guys enjoyed. And uh, cheers. We'll see you soon. Take care, guys.